0: People, welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. Uh, this is an extremely exciting episode for me to share with you because we have our first ever shaman on the podcast. So, um, the conversation I'm gonna play for you was with Makosi Najesser, otherwise known as the Royal Shaman, and she's actually an authentic African shaman. She specializes in personal development and energetic alignment and She helps people reach their full human potential and she works on spiritual ascension. She's basically just an incredible, magical, unbelievably powerful human being who I am so honored that I got to even speak with for this podcast. And I'm so excited that you all get to listen to what she has to say. She actually teaches people how to achieve limitless abundance, which is a big part of everything we discuss. So we went deep into how to step into your authentic self to make quantum leaps in your reality, um, what it looks like to set boundaries in your life and follow your own path because I know a lot of you listening because I've spoken to a lot of you individually and you may feel like you have a calling but the people around you want something different for your life and it can be so hard to shift out of that. So she really gave us some great tips into how to shift into your own path even when people around you don't agree because she personally shares her story of uh, you know stepping out of the decision to go through med school when it was all her family wanted for her. And she talks a lot about feeling like an outcast her entire life, feeling like an outsider, a misfit, and how she turned that into her greatest strength, which led to her manifesting this incredibly magical life. And we also talked about how to support people in changing success paradigms for manifesting a seven figure business and her personal experience in her soul's journey of traveling to Africa and being initiated into becoming the royal shaman that she is now. So there's so much juice in this episode, you guys. You don't want to miss a minute of it. Make sure you listen to the very end. You're going to want to make sure you have some way to take notes or listen to this a few times because she is absolutely incredible. I learned so much just from having this hour-long conversation with her. So hope you gain as much from this as I did. Well, hi, Makosi. Welcome to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. I am so excited and honored to have you here today.
1: Thank you for having me, Kristen. I'm super excited for everything we're about to dive into.
0: Of course, me too. And let's just start off by you giving us your spiel on who you are and what you're all about.
1: Yeah. So my name is Makosi. I'm an elite business oracle and disruptor of the status quo. I work with misfit leaders and really help them to break free of all of the conditioning that's maybe built them up in a certain Mm -hmm. way, but no longer feels aligned. And so I help them to access their truth, access their authentic expression, and to pursue what I call euphoria, also known as their bliss and bring that into the world for really the highest good of us all.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I've never heard anyone describe their, I don't know what you want to call like niche, as misfit. Uh, I love that. How did you get into that particular, I mean, like what brought you to where you are and working with that particular group of people?
1: Yeah, when I look back at my story, there's this common thread of being being always just on the outside, I'm um, mixed race. And so growing up, I grew up in Southern West Virginia, there were not many minorities and there was a lot of um, racism that I dealt with as a kid. You add on top of that, my mom was a single teen mom and I just always felt like um, I did not fit in at all. I went to, you know, uh, most a predominantly white school up until up through high school, really. And then I went to a historically black university. And in both of those spaces, I didn't fit in because here I am, um, (laughs) like back in the day, I'm like the mixed girl who's skateboarding and snowboarding. And I, you know, I was in show choir and I used to do pageants and, uh, rebelled a little bit around having my own natural hair. And so every Every so often I have this moment in my life where I'm confronted with someone or some experience trying to get me to fit in and I'm always faced with the choice. Well, do you suppress yourself to fit in or do you allow your authentic expression to come through? And every time, every single time I've allowed my authentic expression to exude itself. It has taken me down a path beyond
0: my wildest dreams. Uh, I just got chills when you said that because you're, you're doing it. You're just like, I have only been speaking to you for maybe 10 minutes and I can feel your light. Like you're such a vibrant leader. And I can tell, I mean, you're walking your talk that you are so in alignment and you're sharing yourself authentically, which I know from experience is a massively challenging. <laughs> I know it's easy to talk about, but actually stepping into that is so difficult and so triggering. So how did you actually get to a place where you were able to have the confidence to do that? Because I know I, probably one of the biggest issues I see in people that I work with is, you know, I feel like I'm not being who I am, but I just can't bring myself to actually do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The thing that, actually builds confidence over time. Because I I would not say that I was just born confident. I definitely was not. (laughs) But it's over time doing, expressing myself in very small ways, and then getting the feedback from the universe that actually this is is you. And here, we're going to support that. It's almost like you begin to feel like there's um, something beyond you that is pulling things in that are allowing you not only the opportunity to grow, but bringing in abundance in all its forms. So you start with little ways, (laughs) very little ways. And over time, when you see the evidence of how amazing the results can be, then that's when it encourages you to do some of the quantum leaps that I've taken and that, I know many people would never have the confidence to do only because they didn't work it. It's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. You got
0: to build the muscle. hundred percent. I feel the same way. Cause I feel like it's easy for people to look at uh, you know, their idols or whoever they believe is more successful than them and say, wow, it's easy for them. It's easier for them to show up and be themselves or to make that quantum leap in their life but i think that what they don't see is the 10 years or the five years or whatever of the baby steps that were challenging and so i love that you said that and i'm also curious because i know a big part of um what you are passionate about is magnetism and do you feel that this what we're speaking on showing up authentically in the small ways is part of what feeds into that magnetism or what that means for you
1: yeah so in order to be magnetic, you essentially become the void, essentially. And so what a void is, it's a vacuum and a vacuum pulls everything into it, right? But in order to do that, you it's a destructive process, meaning you have to break free. It's not, oh, I just need to become someone else. It's no, I need to actually break free of all of the the limitations and then allow myself to expand and show more show up more fully what that does when you do that even when no one's looking (laughs) that's the key part it's not just oh i'm gonna show up to the olympics and i haven't worked out in you know four months no it's it has to be a way of life it has to be who you are being. It's not an action that you do. So you have to look at who you're being all the time. So I, I look at like, how am I taking showers? How am I, who am I being when I'm making a cup of tea? Who am I being when I'm shopping? You know, what clothes am I wearing when no one's looking? And all of those things are are contributing to an energy of, magnetism so that when you show up it's not like a costume that you put mm-hmm. on it is just another expression of you interviews for me these this is just a natural expression of who i am i don't i don't do interviews i
0: am a speaker
1: mm-hmm. Does that makes sense
0: yeah oh it makes total sense it's it, what i feel you're explaining is like this embodiment of the version of you that you're stepping into. And I feel like there's a lot of um, fake it till you make it and you know, just act like that person. But you're you're speaking on actually being that person. Um and I love that you said, okay, how am I showing up in the shower? <laughs> when I'm making tea that's amazing I'm gonna start doing that when I'm in the shower um because you're you're completely right I mean who you are when no one's looking is the energy you can fake it all day when people are watching but the universe is always watching and listening and you're always sending out feedback so I love that you brought that up and how do you feel that that I mean well personally when you brought up the breaking down thing right magnetism is the void or destruction unlearning I feel like right now in the past year, there's been a huge influx of this happening around the world. With everything happening in the world, the world is crazy, and I feel like we've had two options. We either feed into the fear and the craziness, or we go into ourselves and break down everything that's coming up. And I feel like it's an opportunity to step into what you describe as this magnetism. Um, do you feel like that's true, that right now there is you know, more opportunity for that?
1: This is... I mean, at least in my lifetime, this is one of the absolute best opportunities for that. And, and I've definitely had that experience. What people don't realize is whenever you are faced with an obstacle in every obstacle, it can be alchemized or transformed into an opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: in this, we can examine what is triggering me what is upsetting me what is um difficult or challenging about this and what is that what does that mean to me on the inside how have i created my life around this built my identity around this who have i you know chosen to be in relationships with because of this and then we get to consciously choose is this serving me? I know a lot of people right now um, realized through this entire uh, experience over the last year and a half, almost, I mean, it'll be two years before we know it. Mm -hmm. And they were confronted with, wait a minute, was I actually happy? Or was my life pretty just mediocre and safe? And what do I want my life to look like? moving forward because we all got confronted with, with our mortality and how short life is. And for me, I'm like, I'm riding this till the wheels fall off. I don't have, I, I'm not going to wait until I'm 65 years old Mm -hmm. to live my bliss, to live my euphoria. I'm just not doing that. So I come from a place where I believe that you can be that now. And when you are brave enough to do that, The universe is going to reward you in ways that go beyond your idea of like, oh, I'm going to set this goal and then I'm going to work towards it. It's like, no, show up fully as yourself and allow allow your bliss to guide you, allow your Mm. euphoria
0: to guide you. Yeah. I love that because I feel like you just described my journey over the past year and a half almost two years now it blows my mind it's almost been two years but it kind of was the same for me you know things started to like destruct and break down all this shit came to the surface but when I worked through it it was like the things that manifested in my life were so much bigger and greater and more magical than anything I had intended or asked for and I think that's the power in having the courage because it's scary to face all of the shit that comes up and and go through that process to reach that bliss or euphoria on the other side. And for people who are right now in the midst of um, the shadowy side of this, and maybe like in the struggle and the fears are coming up and maybe they're realizing that their current lives aren't making them happy, um, what would your advice be to them for like first steps or how to start to reach toward that that bliss or euphoria?
1: Yeah, (laughs) immediately, The first thing that pops up, I know whenever you begin to experience uh, the destruction, which happens, if you imagine that it's like you stepped into a cocoon, what actually happens to the caterpillar in the cocoon is that it's destroyed in there. It actually Mm. turns to like this gelatinous, (laughs) nasty glock, right? Which is so symbolic of what your life turns into when you step into this. And then it rebuilds itself. And so the first thing that you have to do is to let go of control, give in to the surrender to the process. Mm. The faster that you can surrender to the process, the faster that you can come out on the other side. Now, I know human nature. So whenever (laughs) I'm working with clients, I always set them up with the expectation that this could take a while. And usually, it takes less time than what they thought or what I said, because by just surrendering to, it could take a long time, actually makes things happen faster. But it's when you try to control things and, Oh, this needs to happen in six months. Oh, this needs to happen in a year and my life needs to look like this. And here's the plan step-by-step. The more you do that, the further you push away because you're not being present to what is actually showing up right now and what are the lessons that you can glean from this so that you can step into the next evolution of self
0: right so what i'm hearing you say is surrender to the gush that is the, (laughs) the butterfly or the caterpillar in the cocoon surrender to it and you know You know, my belief is that wherever you are in your life, whether it's the gush or the butterfly or whatever stage you're in, you're receiving the exact experience you need to get you where you want to go. And if you're too busy resisting it, well, you're pushing away the lessons you're supposed to learn, which is basically what you just described. And but I think there's also I mean, I think when some people hear the word surrender they get scared or confused and they're like, wait, am I supposed to just sit here in my life and not do anything and just wait for like someone to come knocking on my door and, you know, give me the million dollars of the job. So do you feel like there's a sweet spot between releasing the control, but also making things happen? Yes. So whenever I talk about
1: surrender or I talk about flow, there is this idea that it's just this complete, well, I'm just going to sit and wait for things to happen. No, you are absolutely still, um, taking action. So on and so forth. What surrender is really about is about letting go of the attachment to how you think that things have to look. It's allowing yourself to experience the emotions, like what it is that you actually want to experience right now, instead of focusing on the how you need to have xyz maybe um, you know have the million dollars so that you can then be happy no you actually focus on well in this moment with the resources that i have and the the people around me and so on and so forth where is my happiness by leaning into that and taking action in that happiness you actually then can create the million dollars right and Mm -hmm. so it's Flipping this idea of when I have the the relationship that I want or when I have the degree or when I have uh, the million dollar business that I'll be happy, it's flipping that and being it now, be happy now, be creative now, be yourself now. And that is what creates the experience that you want to have.
0: I'm so happy that you said that. Because I think that so many people believe, truly, and I was one of them, that you know, manifestation, you know you watch the secret, the law of attraction, you like, oh, I'm gonna manifest all these things, and my life's gonna change, I'm gonna be so happy. And the truth is, if you're not doing the internal work you just talked about, cultivating all of that internally now, which is, as you said, natural with a process of surrender, that stuff shows up. It's just gonna magnetize how you already feel and make you feel even more empty. Um, And that was an experience I had when I started manifesting is, you know, the stuff showed up and the money showed up, but I felt even more empty inside. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) This is supposed to make me happy. (laughs) And so I've now realized it's so much more than that. And manifestation is, you know, so much more than what they teach in The Secret. And so I'm curious for you, like what has been your experience with diving into manifestation and applying it into your life? Did you have a similar experience or what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting for me because of my path. I, I say that like I went through the back door of spirituality. Mm. I did not go through um, new age spirituality. I literally just saw the secret. Now, mm. well, now it's been about two years. I just saw it like two. Years wow! Ago. Um, <laughs> and once I saw it, I was like, "Oh, okay." So there's some things. I, this is very surface level, and there's some things here, but there's a lot of depth yeah. that they're that they're missing, and the depth that they're missing is really what I lean into so much, because we live in a world that is very superficial. And listen, I talk about money all the time. I talk about you know having a great lifestyle all of that. But if it doesn't have that deeper meaning to you and you're not leading with that, then it is always going to feel empty and you're always going to be chasing. And so what I guide my clients into is an experience where now there's not a separation between them and the universe they begin to lose like wait a minute am i causing this or is the universe creating this how how is this happening and it's the truth is you don't need to know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't need to know
0: surrender just enjoy (laughs) it
1: just enjoy it and continue operating that way don't get into over analysis there are some really great um manifestation teachers out there and i personally think that the introduction of manifestation to a wider audience, to more people is one of the first steps to inviting them into Mm -hmm. a full human experience instead of just being robots chasing.
0: Yeah. 100%. And I feel like when I, (laughs) I draw people into my programs with the promise of mastering manifestation, but what they don't realize is, it's a deep dive into everything, you know, because you can't just say the affirmations and be happy all the time and raise your vibration and expect your life to be perfect. And, you know, like, I think you're right, the secret and um, you know, manifestation is important because I know you said you went in the back door. I went in the front door. <laughs> I watched The Secret. I read the book. Like I tried manifesting for like three years. I made all my vision boards and I scripted and nothing showed up. <laughs> so I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, this has gotta be bullshit. And what I didn't know is that there's so much more. You know, the subconscious mind, the shadow work, the inner child healing, it's deep. And um, that's why I'm so happy there's people like you in the world. We're diving into all of this and sharing this with your clients. It's so needed right now. And I'm curious, like, what does that kind of work look like with your clients when you're helping them? I think you said, become clo- or become one with the universe. I'm probably butchering how you said it. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it eventually gets to a place where it blurs the line between right you and the universe. That's just like a, I don't sell that on the front. Of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, but I love that. It's beautiful. It's an amazing experience. That's really hard to put into words, but um, really what I do with my clients. So I also lead with how this is going to create freedom and and liberate you from the status quo so that you can really build the life that you desire on a soul level i'm all about fulfilling soul desires not what your mind thinks that you need to have that actually isn't going to fulfill you but the way that i do that is uh, through my process i call the energetics of euphoria it's essentially a form of identity alchemy where we're destroying (laughs) sounds really rough but i mean it is challenging i'm not gonna Uh. pretend like it's not because what most of us don't realize is underneath our skills our thinking our feelings our values and even underneath beliefs all of that is stemming from our identity who we believe ourselves to be and we can get stuck in that because our higher self wants to have another experience i say higher self or, or your soul wants to have a different experience and it's ever evolving so this identity alchemy breaks down any conditioning that is no longer serving so it's not that conditioning is bad all of us are being conditioned all the time. It's part of being human. It's that sometimes we take on an identity that worked for us in one phase of our lives. And now that identity is like a prison. We've essentially created a prison. So one example of this, I'll, u- I'll utilize money. Um, perhaps in one, <laughs> the thing that comes to mind is like my great grandmother who passed away only a few years ago, she lived through the great depression. Mm -hmm. And so she took on an identity to survive that of frugality. She was very frugal. She would save Christmas wrapping paper like for decades and rewrap presents. Wow. Nothing went to waste in her home. And she passed that down through, through generations. And I inherited that, that mindset. And then there came a time when here I am trying to build a business and I'm operating from a frugal identity. And the truth of the matter is in order to build a seven figure business, seven figure plus business, um, there are times where frugal ain't going to cut it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had to invest in, in people, in training, in experiences, etc., before I would see, The returns on those investments right and so clipping coupons trying to hire the cheapest person was not going to build the kind of business that i wanted and so i had to tear down that identity and allow another one to come through so it's like these rebirths again
0: and Mm -hmm. again and again and again the caterpillar death and rebirth there it is again and i mean i you make the way you talk about it you lay it out so simply and i know from experience that it is so incredibly difficult a lot of the stuff we're talking about we say it in simple terms but it is difficult to put into practice and i don't want to undermine that for people who are listening it's difficult and it takes a lot of courage but that's where the shifts come from and i had a similar experience with my money stories breaking down generational belief systems and identities and uh you know, what did that look like for you? And how did that feel? Because I know there's a lot of people listening who are in that place, where they're in that scarcity story or belief system, and they want to shift into the six figure, seven figure, whatever business or success story, but it's difficult and it's scary. So how did you support yourself in making that shift?
1: Yeah, I think in this understanding that number one, it is simple. It is not easy process. And also embracing now that I get to be a light of what for what's possible on the other side now makes me see it in a very different way. One of the things that I think is most challenging about stepping into a new identity is that it also, as you're doing that, you're also challenging the identities of people around you. Mm -hmm. And so your family might become upset um, your spouse or or significant other your children your co-workers like (laughs) it begins to shake things all around you and one of the things that keeps me grounded is ultimately why why i need to express myself fully and that other people's perception is really not my responsibility and I have I have no control over that and then also seeing as well that it can present a huge opportunity for them to also look at themselves and why because they're if they're being triggered by that it's because they have an identity <laughs> that also is no longer serving them that is a prison bar when when you see someone doing something that maybe you don't agree with but you're in an you're in an identity you're in a paradigm a way of seeing yourself that doesn't take offense to that that's because that identity that you you're embodying is in alignment with you. It's only when it's a limitation that you get triggered and upset or angry or uh, frustrated, etc., at what you see someone else doing or envious and jealous. And all of these emotions are indicators for you. So the way that I support myself is always remembering that I'm here for the highest good. And sometimes the highest good is pissing people off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) I've never heard a truer truth.
1: (laughs) Yes. I live for it. Like now, because of my role, I know I am not doing my, my job. If I'm not pissing people off pretty Mm -hmm. regularly, because if I'm, if I am, an alchemist, if I am inviting them into a new identity, it there has to sometimes be discomfort. I have to invite them out of their comfort zone. And sometimes I do it, not because I have an intention of where they have to go, but because I'm poking so that they can see themselves, so that they can experience themselves and then be empowered to decide actually, you know what? That's not working for me anymore. And this is I, what I think is going to work for me better. Or actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna hold on to that. I'm not attached either way. But I can only do it by disrupting.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think of it as um, sacred selfishness. I had a coach who told me that a few years ago because uh, I struggled with the same thing as I want to make people around me happy. I mean, who doesn't? Everyone wants to see their loved ones happy and supportive of your path you choose in life. And I remember um, my teacher telling me, you know, like, selfishness is sacred when you're doing it from a place of alignment. And when you're actually putting you and your highest excitement, your euphoria, your bliss first, um, you're also doing the best for the people around you. Because trying to regulate their emotions or protect them from their own pain or their triggers is actually not serving their highest involvement. (laughs) And that was a difficult lesson for me to learn. It it took, I mean, I wish I learned it much earlier. It would have saved me years and years and years of chasing other people's goals for me. So I think it's incredible that you brought that up because I know I get this question all the time. Um, How do I deal with friends and family who don't support me? And so when I'm assuming you went through a, somewhat of a similar experience, did you experience like the people around you not supporting you when you shifted your identities? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. The biggest one was, um, so I was
1: pre-med in in mm. college because I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go against all the statistics that say as, you know, as the mixed race child of single teen mom, I can't do it. So I felt like I had something to prove and all of my family wanted me to become um, a doctor or a lawyer. Right. And when I made that decision not to go to med school, even though I had the prereqs and I had, I had the grades to do it. And instead I decided to, to actually become a stay at home mom. Mm. And I built, I started a business at home. It then got real crazy when I started (laughs) on my spiritual journey. (laughs) It, it started to get real, real extreme real fast because I started traveling back and forth to Africa by myself and with people I didn't know sometimes in order to go down this path. And people thought I was losing it. People thought I was literally nuts to not go to med school to then stay at home even though I had all the credentials to be able to go to med school and then to start carting myself to Africa in the bush and there's already so you know and then participating in African spirituality which is seen as many people see it or perceive it as uh, incorrectly obviously demonic or scary or oh that's voodoo so on and so forth it caused a lot of tears and a lot of um instability and there were about two years I thought my husband and I were not gonna make it through that and part of that the biggest lesson that I took from that that I hope any anyone can take is that when you go on this identity shift when you when you go on this journey to step into your next evolution you can want to save everyone else. You're like, oh, I need to, I'm learning all this stuff. I need to share this with everyone. And, you know, I need to show them. And then you go around unknowingly trying to get other people (laughs) to see what you see and to understand what you understand. And it's that, like, that's where the problem is. When you just say, I'm going on this for myself, and then you allow yourself to be the embodiment of of your learnings, of your becoming, and other people see that, then they now have the opportunity to change or not. Mm-hmm. But it is not your job to go and save anyone, and that's what creates most of the issues in the relationships.
0: Right. And it's painful. I, I, it can be painful to do this, to say, you know, what? I'm not going to try to change you when all you want in the world is for that person to change. And you can literally see how you can help them because I think that, I mean, who hasn't gone through that experience? You have a spiritual awakening, you up level, you quantum leap, your life gets way better. You're like, wow, I want everyone I love to experience this with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drag them over here. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it obviously it doesn't work. Uh, Because people have to be ready on the soul level to change. And um, I was just talking about this on a recent podcast with Anahata Ananda. And she was saying how, you know, each soul is in their own classroom. You know and maybe in this classroom in this lifetime it's not their time to shift in the way you desire them to but it doesn't mean that they're not going to and this isn't the end of your soul's evolution together and that that mindset helps me so much i'm thinking about oh, i just want this person to shift so we can experience this life in this amazing way together but it's not the last opportunity right and and for me that helps me to release resistance around my intense need to make everyone around me feel as good as I feel, which never actually works. I also, if you're open to speaking about it, um, I'm intrigued to hear more about your experience going to Africa, what inspired that, and and how that shifted things for you.
1: Yeah, my journey, really, it it was sacred selfishness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love that, it
1: that invited me onto this. I when I got out of um, college and I decided to stay home with my son, I began a direct sales business and very quickly, I skyrocketed to the top of that company. Like within nine months, I was in the top two. And if anyone's familiar with direct sales, uh, when you're at the top of those companies, you are, you are getting spoiled. Okay. So I was getting, you know, free trips to Vegas and <laughs> designer handbags and cash bonuses and, you know, all of that. And here I was, I was maybe, I don't know, 24 years old, having the experience of what everyone deems a success. And I actually enjoyed what I was doing and I was really good at it. And there was something that was still missing. Like I felt like I wasn't living up to my, my fullest potential. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, some really crazy synchronicities happened. That's really what, what it was. Some synchronicities happened. Um, I end up connecting with um a mystery school of this is really an ancient egyptian mystery school but it's through the dogon of west africa the dogon tribe a lot of people think that egyptian spirituality is gone it's not it's i don't know if people know egypt's in africa And um, a lot of those people, when when Egypt was being invaded by the Greeks and the Romans and the Arabs, those tribes moved west, central and south Africa. And so the foundations of that spirituality exists in African spirituality. It's not a different thing, really. Mm -hmm. So I entered into this initiation and my I had no goal. Um, this was the first time I was like, I told my husband, I'm like, I think that I just think that this is going to help me to be the best version of myself, like to be the best mom I can be, the best wife I can be, and just like be, be at my highest potential. And so during that process, we're having uh, divination done and divination is, uh, it's similar. It's like a kind of reading, but it's always addressing root, root issues, Um, African spirituality, that's like at the core, we don't just look at, oh, what's happening in the present and, oh, we're going to read your future. No, (laughs) what are root causes of issues that are manifesting? And part of what was showing up for me, um, I came with number one, an energy to be a spiritual leader and teacher, and also to be a priestess shaman in this life. And I wasn't, (laughs) so that was showing up in certain ways, uh, physically, especially in my health. And also, um, it was talking about me, you know, having to take the road less traveled, mm-hmm. basically. And so I spent three years in that initiation, and that's where I became Hafisa Jezer and received that name. And through some more crazy synchronicities and dreams, I dreamed of my spiritual mother a year before I met her.
0: Wow.
1: And. That took me to South Africa, where I underwent the process to become um, a Sangoma or they would perceive me as um, as a Sanusi, which is similar to um, it's like a Zulu shaman, but also kind of similar to like an Indian guru in that we lead leaders and also we teach, we teach the masses. And that's really been my my calling. But being in Africa taught me a very different paradigm, a very different way of seeing the world and operating in the world that is more, it leans into the yin or the feminine aspect more than Western culture. And so I may not be teaching people African spirituality, I don't actually, but what I do is bring that paradigm and invite them into seeing that paradigm, seeing through that paradigm and approaching their life in that way and getting to experience all of the benefits. I, I, it's African spirituality, but really what I'm speaking about is a spiritual system that existed all over the world that the core foundational tenets are present in Indian spirituality, Chinese, South American, all of our indigenous and ancient systems at, were one spiritual system that was multicultural. Mm. And I invite people back into that paradigm without having to go on a really crazy you know, journey to, <laughs> Journey to Africa <laughs> or like go live in an ashram, right. you know? It's, you took the journey for us. Yes, and then I'm bringing that paradigm so that people can apply it in a contemporary way. Right. To real life, Yeah,
0: that's amazing. I got chills when you were speaking about that at the end. Because I know you're talking about the yin, the feminine energy, and I know a lot of the Western culture is hustle, 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 work, 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 masculine energy structure, you know, be as productive as you can, work as many hours as you can, climb the corporate ladder. So I, I you know, this is, I believe in my opinion, so deeply needed. And I would love to hear more about what this paradigm looks like. If you could expand on on what is this paradigm that you feel you're, you bring to your practice?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Where to even, (laughs) where to even start? Well, I was speaking about it a little bit more because, um, destruction is also an aspect of, (laughs) of the yin as part of creation, right? They, they go hand in hand. Also, um, for me, a really big shift that I invite my clients into is to get out of everything having to be linear Mm -hmm. and invite them into holistic perspective and seeing things from a, as many different angles as possible. I call this like vertical and horizontal all around in, you know, as kind of like a spherical type of way to view whatever situation. Also leaning more into, um, intuition instead of just utilizing logic and what makes what makes quote unquote sense on the surface Um, also allowing themselves to experience versus obtain or conquer right allowing themselves to be in the present moment while also um, unfolding future. There's still a future orientation, but it's about recognizing that we don't know. (laughs) We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so, yes, we can make a plan, but we always need to be fluid and flexible in that. It's about stepping into effortless action. So I talk about the feminine or the yin way of being more only because that's the medicine that's needed right now. (laughs) Like yang i feel like most of us understand that oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. most of us are like yeah, you know we, we we get that but this is like the mystery side this is why mystery schools exist
0: mm-hmm. they're talking
1: about the yin aspect of things and i am bringing forth in my clients both and consciousness it's not either or oh i need to be masculine or feminine no it is bridging those paradigms and recognizing when do I need structure, when do I need fluidness or space, right? Feeling into when do I need a plan or when do I need to intuit what my next step is and mm-hmm. so on and so forth.
0: Right. And I know you spoke on, uh, I think you called it effortless action. Mm-hmm. What What is effortless action? Ooh,
1: so everyone's had at some point in their life an experience where you're doing something, but there's not a lot of energy behind it. You don't have to force it. And you, it's very efficient because there's no friction between you and the thing that you're doing. So for example, we've been on this interview for like 50 minutes, (laughs) right? (laughs) something yeah. like that. And this is an effortless action. For me, this is not taking any energy. In fact, I'll probably have more energy when we get off because it's coming from my identity. Right? So a painter could spend 9 hours painting, forget to eat, <laughs> right? Yep. And there's a lot that's happening. They could create an entire work of art in that 9 hours, but it took almost nothing for them to do it. Because it's coming from their identity. When you don't have the identity of what you are trying to, quote unquote, do, it's gonna be hard. There's gonna be, you're gonna have to force yourself to do it. You're gonna have to, you know, put it on a freaking to do list, so on and so forth. But effortless action comes when the line between who you are and what you're doing is dissolved. Mm. I do interviews because I'm a speaker. It's like, of course, I don't have to think about doing it. And when you operate from that and you bring that into your life more, you can spend almost a whole day doing insane amounts of things. You can get a lot done and it feels like nothing.
0: Yeah. Ooh, this is juicy. (laughs) I think a lot of people don't realize that what we call work, quote unquote, uh, can actually energize you, you know, when it's in alignment with your soul, which I think is what you're speaking on. And so for someone who feels burnt out by the work they're doing, what needs a shift? Does the identity need to shift to match the action? Or does the action need to shift to match the identity?
1: Um, So I will never say that it's one or the other, because for some periods of time, like I think about our ancestors and, you know, some of them, let's say if they were farmers, right? Well, maybe they didn't have the opportunity to go out and, oh, well, I don't want to be a farmer anymore. I'm going to just go be a king. So I'm going to step into the identity of a king. (laughs) That's not a thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. at all so sometimes if we're maybe we're in a role that is not the best fit we can look at how we go about things so our souls don't care about the what right they don't care about you having a Maserati in this life that is not a thing your soul cares about what your soul cares about is having experience which is the how so if for instance you're in a role and i don't know maybe it's customer service looking at how you go about doing customer service can shift things for you a lot so sometimes stepping into that that identity works well maybe the identity of the nurturer for example um, step rolling it into your collaboration energy more can help Or if you really look at it and you're like, wait a minute. um, I'm someone who really needs to be, I've always been on stages, for example, and here I am behind the scenes. Well, maybe this just is not in alignment for me. I get a lot of clients who come, my clients are always entrepreneurs, and they come and they're like, oh, I'm spending five hours a day creating Instagram content and I hate social media and I'm like why the hell are you doing that well (laughs) so and so told me that to have a successful business I need to have uh social media presence and I'm like are you kidding me do you know how many businesses out there have zero social media presence Mm
0: -hmm.
1: zero none right and so this is about creating yes, I encourage them to look at what their euphoria is and to follow that, but also to craft and build their business in a way that's in alignment with their true self, with who they're really here to be. And so I don't teach a strategy, even though people try to force me to do it. (laughs) Um, I don't teach a strategy because it's about you building what's from you. If you're a networker, well, why the hell do you need to have a huge uh you know social media presence if your way of doing it is through referrals maybe for me stages are my are my thing and so i structure everything in a way where it's like i'm stepping onto a stage and when you do that your natural gifting just magnetizes (laughs) Your perfect clients, your perfect opportunities, more money and abundance in all forms. And it looks like magic.
0: Oh, I love that. And it, well, what it sounds like from what you said is the sweet spot is a shift between unlearning who you're not so you can understand what your soul's identity, I guess you could call it is. And also taking a look at the actions and why you're taking which actions so that they align with who you actually are most excited about showing up as on a soul level. Yes. So it's like, like you said, there's no strategy. There's no black and white. It's not the same for every person. It's an internal journey of, you know, surrendering to the mush. <laughs> yes. And you're know, allowing yourself so to be guided
1: what's so mm-hmm. funny about it is when i'm doing this work with my clients um almost every time they cannot see their genius mm. and they undervalue it because it's so second nature to them we put a lot of value on what is you know what we had to earn <laughs> right like i had to earn this title and so we put that at a higher value but that That was something that you had to work at well what if you built your business off of like what is second nature to you and you just began to value your innate self more everything's so much easier from that place is there still challenge yeah Uh, that's that's part of it but knowing what is worth fighting for is absolutely imperative
0: I, the thing that comes to mind when you say that is, um, what if it was easy? <laughs> like you said, effortless action. What if having a seven-figure business, six-figure business, what if it could be easy? What if we didn't have to make it extremely difficult and draining? And I think that was a big lesson that I learned after my first six months in business. Well, actually, I tried and failed an online business for five years because I was doing exactly what we're talking about. Um, taking action that didn't align with my actual soul's identity. And it drained me. Um, And it took me five, six years to figure that out. So people, everyone that's listening right now, you guys are lucky. (laughs) We're giving you the (laughs) shortcut. Yes.
1: yes. I failed. Oh my gosh. So many times. (laughs) So many times. um, Doing what I thought I had to do in order to be successful. And believing that for me it's been a this process has just been what i call cutting to the front of the line it's like just getting in where i fit where i quote unquote fit in naturally going directly to where are the people that value me instead of oh first i have to take this step and then yeah. after six months i can take this step and it has to look like this no actually when you lean into your genius you can just step right to the front of the line
0: that's amazing. And, you know, I, there, I also want to, you know, make a point for people listening. There is nothing wrong with the structure and following a strategy, but I think it's important to find if you want that structure and strategy, find one that aligns with you mm-hmm. so that, like you said, you can cut to the front of the line. That's like my favorite <laughs> thing I've ever heard about success. That is amazing. And I also just, I'm going to shift the direction of this a little bit, because I wanted to ask you about this. I didn't have a chance earlier because we went in such a juicy direction. Um, But you mentioned earlier, I think when you were in Africa, that you said you felt that you were having health issues and it was connected to you not being in alignment with what your soul came here to do. And I just wanted to ask you to expand on that a little bit. And do you feel that our body does communicate with us when we're not, you know, quote unquote, in alignment?
1: Oh, yes. So... (laughs) Um, The reason in, in all ancient spiritual systems, the spiritual leaders, the spiritual practitioners who were taking care of the community were always, you know, you had like king and queen or chief, and then the spiritual leaders who were up right neck and neck. And part of that is because the state of your spiritual alignment influences every aspect of your life so we had it we have it very wrong (laughs) where we're like oh i need to just have all of my uh life in order and then i will explore the spiritual Mm -hmm. aspect of myself and no it's at the foundation of everything so when you are not in alignment spiritually it will manifest Um, it could be in all areas but it could primarily show up in either your health your mental state right like depression anxiety um so on and so forth it can also show up in the state of your relationships as well um who who you're attracting uh the the people that are coming into your life so on and so forth so those of us who are tasked with helping people connect with that we're always the most revered individuals because it affects everything everything in your life so for me what i noticed is the more and even now the more out of alignment that i go the the greater or the more magnified quote-unquote symptoms are so i mentioned also that ancient spirituality is always concerned with root causes because when you have a root let's just take the body you have a, a root cause issue let's say you have a virus it doesn't just manifest in one way right maybe you are focused on the pounding headache but also, you have you know maybe phlegm in your lungs, your nose is running, your body's sore, so on and so forth. And spiritual um, misalignment is like that. So when we look at, I just can't help but notice when we look at the state of um, the state of the world, uh, Western society especially, and we see growing numbers of depression and cancer, and crazy wild viruses all over the planet. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes, there's a physical expression, but the root cause of it is spiritual. So for me, I'm like, sure, we can deal with the symptoms, right? But if we never address the root cause, and the root cause is that as a whole humanity is really freaking out of alignment Mm -hmm. really out of alignment with how nature works and seeing ourselves as above nature as as god as um because our our religious backgrounds told us that we have dominion over the earth we do not have dominion over the earth (laughs) we don't okay (laughs) and the the sooner that we surrender to that the faster we will be able to get into alignment and get back into harmony, um, on an individual level,
0: but also on a societal level. Yes. Coming back to the earth. And, and what do you feel if you could give every person listening, like one tip, um, something they can do to get closer to alignment. So we as a whole can start to push society, you know, into a place of alignment and begin to become one with the earth and nature. What can we all do individually to begin to make that shift happen?
1: Yeah, most of us, our first inclination is to look externally at everything that's wrong um, this, and go and think that we need to be activists in XYZ. Not saying that there's not a place for that, but there is no greater revolution that, that you can start than to become, become the change that you want to see create the business that you wish existed to live the life that you wish everything